Lord God, we just thank you that we can come before you and we can know that you're with us. We can know that you love us and that you're for us and that because of you, Lord, our lives are never the same. And because of you, we have hope in this world. And um, you call us to be messengers of that hope and to have faith in you um, that is infectious and, and brings other people also to have that same hope and life in you. So we offer you this time together. Pray that you would speak to us and, and through me, Lord. And, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for you, who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So one of the things that um, uh, I love to do when, when I was an uh, engineer is I love to, the fact that I got to go and meet a lot of people. I thought, you know, when I was an engineer, I never wanted to just be at a desk job. So I had one of those jobs that, you know, I would, I would do my designs and then I would walk around and I could talk to different people and they would build my uh, whatever item I was building. I was a mechanical engineer. I worked in the aerospace, in, uh, aerospace industry in Silicon Valley and I loved it. I loved being an engineer. Um, but one of the things I loved more was telling people about Jesus. And then um, one day I was attending church and a friend of mine said, hey, you know, I have a friend who works at the same company that you work in. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, I, I would like you to, to, to maybe you could meet with her. She's not a Christian yet, but, you know, it'd be great if you could, you know, talk to her and get to know her. So I said, sure. And then one day I had a friend of mine come into town See, I'm going to use my iPad here. I had a friend of mine come into town, and she wanted to go clubbing. So I said, okay, I'll take you clubbing. So we went clubbing, and, uh, and there I saw my friend. And he, he said, hey, you're here, so I want you to meet my, my friend who works at the same company as you do. So we sat there, and I was chatting with her a little bit, and we found out that we worked in the same building. So come Monday morning, um, I don't know if she came to my office, I went to her office, and then we started chatting, and I said, hey, let's have lunch sometime, and we started eating lunch, and, and over lunch, I started asking her about her faith, and, you know, if she would be open to coming to church, and got to know a little bit about her story, and we just became good friends, and over time, um, I was able to invite her to a church uh, a retreat, a young adult retreat, and there she met other believers, she heard more about Jesus, and then um, one day she invited Jesus to be Lord of her life. And, and after that, I invited her uh, into this new discipleship group that I was starting. And I started this group for young believers or for people who had maybe, you know, kind of been at church but not really given their hearts to Jesus. So she came to that, and uh, we met together, and um, she just grew in her own relationship with Jesus. And, and over time, I've seen her grow in her faith, and she started to disciple other people. And you actually know this person, uh, and and she's here at the retreat, and her name is Michelle Kaneshiro. <laughs> Woohoo! Where's Michelle? <laughs> here she is, all right in front of me. Okay. And so sometimes, you know, when we meet, when we're together, and I visit her and Bruce and kids, and people say, "Oh, how do you know each other?" I said, "Well, you know, we we met at a bar." <laughs> of course, she was a not believer by at that time, and I was, you know, being an evangelist. So. That's how that works. But how do people come to faith in Christ? And don't we want to see more people like Michelle at our churches and to see what God can do through one life and through two lives um, when, when people have a faith that reaches out um, to other people? And I think about uh, how the early church started and how Jesus started with 12 people, 12 men who, who knew him, even though they didn't really know exactly who he was, but he walked with them. 
and he got to know them. They got to know him, and, and their lives were changed. And through them, they started telling more people about Jesus. And then it was, you know, after a while, they said that it was 120 people. And then after that, the day of Pentecost came, and it became multipl multiplicative. And so I want to talk today about what it means to have this kind of contagious faith, the kind of faith that, that draws people to Christ and, and just so fills them with joy and that they can't help it but tell other people. So I want to start with Acts chapter 2, which is one of my favorite passages. I go through this passage over and over again. But Acts chapter 2 is when Jesus, uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, his disciples gathered together about 50 days later. And it says early that a violent wind came from heaven and comes upon them like this tongues of fire and rests on them. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other languages. And the crowd thinks that they're drunk. But then Peter stands up. Peter, uh, one of the leaders of the disciples, he tells them about Jesus and the miracles he did, tells them about Jesus' death and resurrection. So let's pick it up here in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. So Peter's speaking. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see now and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. With many of his words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000 people. So they went from 120 to 3,000 more. In verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, is that not a contagious congregation? Right? There's multiplication going on. There's multiplication. There's changed lives. As they learn about Jesus, lives are changed over and over again. Um, one of the uh, privileges I get to do at our church is to um, lead our, uh, some of our mission trips or go on some of our mission trips. And actually, I was on a trip to Cambodia with Terry Yim, and she came with us. And that was the first time our church had led a medical team uh, in Cambodia. And one of the things that we did was we, we saw people. We had optometrists, um, doctors, nurses, um, dentists, and pharmacists. And we, we went to the rural parts of Cambodia, and we uh, served the people. 
and we, we help them. And, and I was, since I'm not a medical person, um, I, we started a, a prayer tent or a place where people could receive prayer. And whoever wanted to receive prayer, we always asked them, and then they would come, and we'd share the good news. We'd share the gospel with them. And, uh, and we saw, I think, that year a total of about 1,300 people over the two weeks that we were there. And I think 700 or so came to faith in Christ, about five, uh, or 650. And many people would just say yes. Many people would pray to receive Christ. And the pastors afterwards would spend the next, actually, year and a half following up with the people. But I remember being there in Cambodia, and I remembered this verse. I remember thinking, just in two weeks, 650 people said yes to Jesus. There is a hunger there in that country. There is a hunger all over the world for people to know God. And there are two countries that we go to. One is Cambodia because there is this hunger, this openness to God. And also we go to China, and there's a hunger there as well. There are places in this world where people are hungry for Jesus. And I think these people here in the early churches, I think they were people who were hungry for Jesus. Maybe because of the, the poverty, maybe because of the political oppression, maybe because of just the brokenness of the world. They were ripe. They were ripe for the good news of Jesus Christ. But people needed to hear from those who had faith. And how do we develop faith that's contagious? And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we develop a faith that's contagious? And the first thing I want to say is, first, we've got to tell our story. We've got to tell our story about Jesus. I just told you about Michelle's story, and actually her version is probably much more interesting. <laughs> and so you can ask her version after today. But here in verse 32, it says, Peter is, is, is talking, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. He's telling a story. He's like, you know, this is Jesus, and he was dead, and now, he, now he's alive. And I saw it, and you saw it, and he saw it, and she saw it. He was dead. He was put in the tomb. He was crucified. We thought he was a rabbi, a teacher of God, but he was the son of God. He's the son of God. We were all afraid of what would happen to us, but you know what? I don't care anymore. We don't care anymore because, hey, God raised Jesus from the dead. He could raise us from the dead. We're not afraid anymore of death. We were hiding before, but we're not anymore. Jesus is the real deal, right? Here's Peter, the same Peter who ran away, right? The same disciples who hid now they are in public, preaching, telling people about Jesus, and they don't care. And in the end, they all did die. They all were martyred, except for uh, John. Most people think John is the only one who, who got exiled, but the rest of them were, were, were killed. But they didn't care because they had a story to tell. In verse 33, he says, The promised Holy Spirit has been poured out. He said, Look around you. These people, they're speaking languages. This is God. They, you know, Thaddeus there, he doesn't speak Swahili. You know, Nathaniel, he can't speak Chinese. But this is the Spirit of God. It's happening. Right? And this is what they're telling people. He said, they're not drunk. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work that God had promised to us, that he would pour out our, his Spirit. And, and men and women, they would, they, would, they would see signs. They would dream dreams. They would, they would know the power and the presence of the Lord. Then he says this in verse 36. He says, let all Israel be assured of this. 
God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Savior of the world. And you know, when I was reading this, it, you know, preparing, it, I've read this passage so many times. And I used to read this and say, and I thought it was, you know, kind of judging them. Like, you know, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, right? There's a little bit of a, of a, a judgment on people that makes them turn and say, you know, we were, they were cut to the heart. But you know what? I, I saw something different this time. I, I see joy and hope. This Jesus who you crucified, he's the one. He is alive again. He is Lord. He is the Savior of all. It's, I think it's part of their testimony. And he says, be assured of this. You can know that this is God. That God has, this, God has made this Jesus who was dead and is now alive again. He is the Savior. He told the story. And every Christ follower, we all have a story. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a story. Maybe take a moment just to remember what that story was. But I was thinking, here in this early church, this first church, you know, Acts, we're only in Acts chapter 2, this first church in this group of believers, the reason why I think that they were so contagious, they had such contagious faith, was because they all had a story. I started to think, think about it. Who was actually in this early church? Who were these people? I started to think, hmm, I wonder if they, you know, Zacchaeus was there. Zacchaeus. You know, he lived in Jericho. He was a tax collector, right? If you know his story, he was cheating people. He was cheating people then for their own gain. And then, and then Jesus comes into town. And he's curious, and he goes to listen to Jesus, and he, he turns his life around, and he says, everyone that I cheated, I'm going I'm to stop cheating, I'm going to give them back four times the amount if I ever took it from them. Maybe he was at that church. And he would say once, hey, once I was a tax collector who cheated people for my own gain, and then I met Jesus. Maybe the woman who, who was healed of bleeding, we remember that story. She was ble bleeding for, what, 12 years. And, and then she says, and then I saw Jesus. You know, once I had this illness that no doctor to, could cure, people thought something was wrong with me. Nobody wanted to be around me because I was, I was unclean. I had this bleeding problem, and I couldn't be around normal people. I couldn't be around normal society. But then I heard about Jesus, and I knew that if I could just touch him, if I could just touch his cloak, Maybe I would be healed. And I was. Maybe there was, Mary Magdalene was there. Maybe she said, you know, my life was so messed up. I used to have these seven evil spirits that were within me. They were tormenting me day and night. I couldn't sleep. I wanted to end my life. Something was wrong with me. And then I met Jesus. There was a blind man. I once was blind. But now I see. Maybe there's Joseph of Arimathea. We don't hear much about him, but maybe he was there. I once bought a tomb, <laughs> you know, brand new. And then there was this, this man, Jesus. And he didn't have, he was, he was poor and outcast, and, and there was no one to take care of him after he died. So I let them use my tomb. And then all of a sudden, on the third day, he was raised to life.
Is it a wonder that this church started to multiply? Right? Because they each had a story to tell. And they told it. Because they were changed by it. They were changed by Jesus. There's a book that's called, I Once Was Lost. I Once Was. What is that for you? I once was lonely. I once was afraid. I once was burdened under guilt and shame. What's your story? If we want to be people of contagious faith, we've got to tell our stories. Tell our stories to other people, how Jesus saved you, how Jesus healed you, how Jesus changed you. One of the things that I used to do in my discipleship groups and, and uh, uh, one of the ones that Michelle was actually in, we would prepare our faith stories. And we had to share a story with less than four minutes, right? Because you don't want somebody to tell you their life story in 25 minutes. You just want a short version, one, two minutes, maybe four. And so um, we had all prepared our stories. And, and one day, um, a bunch of us decided to go hiking. And so I invited my neighbor. You know, I just saw him. I said, hey, you want to go hiking with us? And he was somebody that I was just getting to know. And so our, our church group was, and I knew he liked hiking. So he said, sure, I'll come with you. So we went, and we had a, we, uh, and, you know, we had a really uh, good time. And then uh, on the way back, we were so tired, and we are all sleeping in the car. And he's in the front seat uh, with my friend Dean. <laughs> and so uh, uh, he used to go to uh, Christian Lamy, too. And, and he was in the front, and, and you know, they're chatting, and then we're all falling asleep. So this, my neighbor, Eddie, turns to Dean and says, so, so you guys are all Christians, huh? And he says, yeah. So, so like, what, what does it mean to Christian, be, to be a Christian? Why, why are you a Christian? And all of a sudden, you know, I could tense, like, all of us just, like, tensing up. We're like, all right, Dean, you're, you're set up, okay? Everything's set up for you. Is he gonna, is he gonna choke or is he gonna make it? You know? So I could tell Dean all of a sudden, he just sits up, you know, and I'm like praying in the back seat, you know, and, you know, pretending I'm still sleeping. And then, and then Dean starts to tell his story, which we had prepared and rehearsed over and over again. I knew his story. And his story went something like this. He said, when I was growing up, I liked control. I liked to have control of what I ate, who my friends were, and how I spent my time and money. I even liked holding onto the TV remote control. Then somebody told me about Jesus and how we needed to give him control over our life. And I said, no way. But one day, my girlfriend broke up with me. My work transferred me out of state, and I realized that no matter how hard I tried, I really didn't have control over my life anyway. So I gave control of my life over to Jesus, who loves me and does a much better job of guiding my life than I ever could. How long did that take me to share? I think I timed it 45 seconds. Right? He shared a story. Here's another story that someone once shared. For years, I felt empty. I had a hole that I needed to fill, so I searched for things that could fill that hole. A new house, a wife, children, new friends, clothes, a new job. My emptiness would be filled for a short time, but I never found the it that kept my hole filled. Once I understood, one day I heard a message about having a relationship with Jesus. And once I understood, accepted, 
him and grew in my relationship with him, my emptiness was finally filled. Forgive. And today, I'm no longer searching for things to fill my life. We talk about having one word, a one-word story. It doesn't have to be your life story. It's just one word. And for many of us, we have many words. You know, I could share about, you know, growing up after the death of my dad. I could talk about how God uh, changed me from anger management issues. <laughs> I could talk about, you know, my fear of public speaking. <laughs> I could talk about all these things, right? We have one word, little one-word stories about how God changes and made a difference in our lives. To be a contagious, to develop contagious faith, you have to tell your story about Jesus. You also need to believe that everyone needs Jesus. You have to have this total conviction that everybody needs Jesus. Because often when we look around us, I mean, you guys look pretty together. Yeah, you look smiling. <laughs> you have friends, you know, you have families. And so sometimes we think people don't need Jesus, you know. It's bad news for people. You know, I got to tell them they're a sinner. <laughs> tell them they're far from God. You know, who wants to do that? You know, they're going to think I'm crazy. But you have to be convinced that everybody needs Jesus. Um, in verse 37, it says, when, when they heard about Jesus, the people heard about Jesus when Peter was telling them, it says, they were cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? This Jesus, who is the Christ, who is God, who has the power, who God has raised him from the dead. And then, and then I look at my life, and I think, I need Jesus. And that's what happened to them. And so he says, repent, which means to turn around. Turn your life around and come. Come to Christ. He says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit makes all the difference, doesn't he? This promise is for you and your children. See, we all... We all need Jesus. Some of us, we have sins that need to be forgiven. There are sins that I have. There are sins that you have. You have friends and, and, and co-workers and family members. You don't know, but they do. They know what their sins are. Right? The people of this church, I think about Zacchaeus. He knew he was a sinner. Even Paul himself, in his letters, he would often say, I, who was the greatest sinner of all, right, in my fervor for God, I persecuted Christians and had them killed. And yet, God saved me. And yet, God called me. God used me to bring light to others. He would share bits and parts of his testimony in all of his writings. You remember when he says that, right? God called me the greatest of sinners. People have sins that need to be forgiven. And some, pe some people, they don't know what to do with their sins. Have you ever met someone like that? They've done these things wrong and they've never shared it. But it affects them. Right? It's this like dagger in their heart. And they're afraid to show it to people. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of being rejected. And so they don't share. Not even to God. But the good news there's good news that God forgives, that God washes our sins away. And people need to hear that. We have sins that need to be forgiven. We also have a hunger that needs to be satisfied. Many people I know come 
to Christ because there's a hunger that is not satisfied. There's a quote from Madonna here that I pulled out. He says, there are many years when I thought fame, fortune, and public approval would bring me happiness, but one day you wake up and realize they don't. I still felt something missing. I wanted to know the meaning of true and lasting happiness and how I could go about finding it. I don't know if she has. Jim Carrey um, says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dream so that they can see that it's not the answer. Right? These are people who had it all. Isaiah 55 Chapter 1 says, uh, verse 1 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what is not, does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen, that you may live. Jesus is good news. Do you believe that? Because I do, because I've seen what, how he changes people. And people, people need him. They have hunger that needs to be satisfied, and they have hurts that need to be healed, and they have a purpose that needs to be fulfilled. One of my, uh, one of this, uh, a friend that I know, she um, she used to be a big golfer, and uh, she was someone who came to faith. and And I remember I, I when I visited uh, and met her the first time, she wasn't a believer. And then when I met her the second time, she had become a believer, and uh, she she became this huge uh, evangelist. She would tell people about Jesus all the time, and she was a, a realtor, so she would um, you know take people in her car and show them all the homes and. And then, you know, naturally they would talk about, you know, other things. And she would say, oh, I'm so do you, do you golf? You know, there's a golfing range here. And they would, you know, whenever anybody would talk about golf, and she goes, well, I used to golf, you know. In fact, I used to have a single-digit handicap. But I gave it all up 10 years ago, you know, which prompts people to say, why? <laughs> Why? Right? And she said, well, you know, once I, I dreamed of retiring and living on this golf course and I could play golf every day, but now I have Jesus in my life now, and my life is totally different. And I said, well, what happened? And she goes, you want to know what happened? She takes out her iPhone. She plays a video of her testimony when she got baptized. She goes, here, watch this. And, then, and for four minutes, they watched a video of her baptism and her faith story. And she just carries it around in her phone. She has it in her iPad. Sometimes I'll be over at her family dinners, and somebody's watching the video because they invited a new person to her house. And so she carries it in, in her phone. And she always gets to, to tell people about Jesus, um, you know, all her customers and everyone. She says, but, you know, now I get to, to show God's love and she goes on mission trips, and she gets, I, you know, I get to go and show God's love to people all around the world and let them know that they're loved by God. And it's way better than hitting a little ball into a little hole. She goes, what was I thinking? But we need to, to believe that everyone needs Jesus. And we also need to be intentional about sharing the good news. 
You know, some people are natural evangelists, right? They just talk about Jesus all the time. Uh, when we were going to our, our Cambodia team, they took a spiritual gift survey, see what your spiritual gifts are. And out of, I think, about 26 people, there were only two that had evangelism not on the last three gifts. Most people, it was the bottom of, I don't know, you know, 21 gifts or something. And I think mine was one of the, the two, but it was like number three or something. And so, but most people are not natural evangelists. And I have seen natural evangelists and, and been, you know, um, just learned from them and been impressed by them. This one, uh, one friend of mine, he's now a missionary in China. But one day I was actually riding, driving with him to our church retreat a few years back. Um, and on the way there, we stopped to get gas. And while we were, you know, in the convenience store place, you know, getting a drink or using the restroom or whatever, I see him and he's, he's talking to this little girl. And he's like, oh, so are you a swimmer? And, you know, and her mom came by and he was telling her, telling this little girl about Jesus. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how did you talk to this little girl about Jesus? And then we go to the cashier and we're buying our things and the cashier had these cross earrings. And he goes, hey, I love your earrings. And he goes, yeah, um, you know, this Easter is coming up. Um, are you going to, you know, are you going to celebrate Jesus on Easter? And she goes, uh, no. He goes, because you know what those earrings mean, right? And so he gets in this conversation with his And here, in five minutes, he shared the gospel with two people. Well, I've, you know, I've gotten my slushy, you know. So this is the difference in people who have an evangelism gift. But the rest of us, we need to be intentional. We need to think about it. We need to pray for people. We need to prepare our hearts and prepare our stories. And one way we can do that is to think about why is this good news for people? And why do they need to hear the good news? One of the good news, one of the reasons why I believe it's good news is because when we become Christ followers, when we come to the family of God, we are given resources from heaven. Resources beyond ourselves, resources that belong to God, which is everything, right? If your father has owns everything, what do you get? Pretty much anything, right? So here, you know, in, in, in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So they gathered together and they began to share. They began to share what they had. There were the rich people. There were poor people. There were those who had food and those who didn't. That those who had resources and, and, and those who didn't. And they began to share what they had. And, and there's something that changes in us when we know that we belong to God. We know that we're loved. When we know that, you know, there's, that, that, that Jesus will take care of us, we're much more free. We can be free to share what we have, and we get to be free, and we get to see God meet our needs. We have some missionaries from, from Cambodia that are in town right now. Actually, they're the people that we went to serve there, and they are in the Seattle area right now because of health issues, and so they, uh, the husband needed some treatment at the hospital for, for, it used to be six weeks, and now it became nine weeks. And so they came into the area, and they called me, and they said, Pastor Nancy, would there, would there be a chance that we would, you know, be able to get somebody to host us? You know, and I'm thinking, okay, nine weeks. 
no problem, <laughs> right? We got a lot of people at our church. And so we just began to make some calls. And in fact, I said, in fact, you can stay at my house. I'm going to be here at the retreat. <laughs> so you can stay at my house for two weeks. And so um, there's something about being in the family of God that takes away a lot of our worry, takes away a lot of our fear. In fact, I've been in the church now for so long, I don't think I realize what the, uh, the rest of the world is like, right? Because for me, I feel like I am the richest person ever, you know, right? There's places I can stay. If I just, you know, my plane got, you know, flight got canceled, I'll just go to Calvin's house or Michelle's house, <laughs> you know, Andrew's uh, house. I mean, people, you know, I can stay at one of your guys' house, right? I mean, there's something... There's something about the family of God that comes together when we know Jesus, right? We have resources, not just out of ourselves, but, but from, from heaven. We know that, that God will take care of our needs. Verse 46 says, Every day they continue to meet together. In temple courts, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Something was happening there. They became this new community. This new family, they experienced a kind of love for one another that I bet you they had never experienced before. Maybe for some of us, we have loving families, uh, but for many people, they don't. And as I've been in ministry for a while, um, I begin to know people's stories. And I have always been so surprised that that people have grown up in, in families and with lives very different from my own because my mom was a believer and, we, and, you know, she loved us and my dad became a believer. And after a while, we were all, my sister was a believer as well. But there are people in this world that you may never know this, but they have some deep hurts and pains and trials in their life. Um, when this woman that I met, um, I'm going to call her Marie, but Marie um, came from a family, uh, she was Chinese-American, she came up from a family that only valued boys and not girls. And so when she grew up, um, they really uh, catered to her brother, but for her, they treated her like a slave. Um, in fact, they, she was forced to live in the kitchen, um, she was given dog food to eat. Um, and so the minute that she turned 18, she moved out and she never looked back. One day, she found out that her father had died, but no one in the family had told her. And, but she found out through a cousin and some other way. So she came back to the area to see if she could possibly, you know, go to the, the funeral. And she didn't know whether she would be uh, accepted or not. But she called her cousin, who lived in the Seattle area, and who, who said, yeah, yeah, you come, you can stay with me. And while they were there, um, her cousin shared how her life had changed because she had become a believer from the last time she saw her uh, until today. And so she started telling her about Jesus. And then, and then Marie just listened and listened, and, and she said, well, I, I want to know Jesus too. And so she prayed to receive Christ, and then, then her cousin said, I know that you have gone through so much in life. You have endured so many things, but it's okay now because you have Jesus now. You have a new family now. You are loved. This is good news. And so Marie went on and she said, you know, I'm going to try to go see, you know, my family. But even if 
they don't accept me, even if they don't let me come to the funeral, I forgive them. I forgive them because now I know Jesus loves me and everything's going to be okay. This is the blessing of God, that we have resources from heaven, that we have a new family, that we are loved by God. And this is the good news that God calls us to share. The last part of it is that we're given the Holy Spirit to live in us. And to me, honestly, this is the best part. This is the best part of being a, a believer is we have the Holy Spirit in us. It says here in John chapter 7, um, Jesus says this. He says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We have the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, that is the number one thing people, believers, often say to me. They say, Nancy, how, how do you know? How do you experience the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you hear God's voice? How, does, how do you get filled with the Spirit? The Spirit is available to all of us. And, and even this weekend, I would encourage you to receive prayer, to, to come to God, to say, God, I want more of you. Because it is this power that has caused the disciples in, this, in, in Acts chapter 2 to, to speak these languages that they couldn't speak before. As a testimony to God, God does things in our lives and miraculous things in our lives that become part of our story. In fact, we have to share those stories, don't we? Those are the stories we, we have to tell people because they're so amazing. So I'm going to share one story with you. There's a, a man at our church at Lighthouse, and just he and his wife are just pillars at our church and such kind, generous people, and they, they serve a lot at our church and just such a loving couple. And, and they're older, in their 60s, and so um, the husband, he had uh, um, uh, liver, uh, liver failure. So he was on... Uh, or kidney failure, he was on dialysis and all that. So he was waiting for uh, a transplant. And so we had prayed for him. We had, you know, different people in our church actually volunteered, but they, you know, to get tested. But each one by one, they, they weren't a match. And so another person got tested, and then they weren't a match. So, so this, this man and this wife were just very discouraged. And then one day we decided, you know, we just have to keep praying. We don't know what God is going to do. But after a time, he was getting weary. He was getting more tired. And we thought, I don't know if this is going to happen for him. Then one day out of, um, you know, we, on a Sunday morning, out of the blue, um, whatever was going on, I don't even remember what the sermon was that day. But this one other man at our church, um, his name is Tavi, and uh, Tavi went and said up to uh, one of us, and he said, "Hey, do you know? Um, do you know who is Norm? And Norm was the one that needed the, the transplant." And we said, "Oh, oh, he's he's over there." So you know, I figured Tavi wanted to, to talk to Norm about something. And the next thing we know, um, Norm, we find out that Tavi is volunteered to get tested to give Norm a, a kidney. And then word got around, and, and we thought, did, did Tavi, how did that happen? And Tavi said, yeah, um, I didn't even know Norm. <laughs> but while we were worshiping, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you have to give Norm your kidney. And I, so I, he said, so then I went, I told my wife and his wife, Jackie, and Jackie said, this was so 
not Tabby. She goes, I was actually thinking of getting tested because, you know, Jackie's that kind of person. She said, but I would, I, I hesitated because I thought Tavi would say no. You know, they still have younger kids. And she's like, I think he would think it's too risky. Tavi's very uh, conservative. He's very careful. He's very responsible. And she, she thought, I don't think he would go for it. She thought, never in a million years would I think he would go and get tested. So she was flabbergasted. She says, this, this has got to be God because he doesn't like anything medical, <laughs> you know. But he just really felt that God had called him to do this. And Tavi and Jackie were actually quite young believers. So they go and they say, well, we don't know. It's not done there. You don't have to go through the series of tests. So he went through the series of testing. And the doctor said he was the perfect match. That they had never seen someone who was so perfectly matched to Norm. And you have to know that Norm is Chinese-American and Tavi is Mexican-Filipino. He's like 30 years younger, like a foot shorter, and they're like, they don't like anything alike. How is it possible that he was the perfect match? But he was. And it was because of God. So I was there at the hospital, and while we were there, everyone was sharing the story to the nurses, to the doctors, you know, because they were always curious on who would give a match to somebody else. They're like, well, obviously he's not related to you. Are you guys friends? And they, oh, we just met, you know. Um, you know, be, you know we, but we go to the same church. And that was the story that was going around, the supernatural work of God. What is your story? Do you have a story to tell? Has God done something supernatural in your life? You know, when you take risks for God and see God come through, does that become a story that you need to tell others? You need to tell people who don't yet know Jesus and say, you've got to know Jesus because that ch he changes everything. Everything is different. You're not alone. God will help you. You have a need? No problem. God will meet it. There are people, and maybe you're thinking of them now, people who need to know Jesus. Who is it? Who is hurting? Who is struggling? Who is just lost? Who has all the toys and yet can't sleep at night? When I was uh, younger, I... Um, I was young and single. Now I'm older and single. But when I was young and single, uh, I was attending a, a different church. And uh, one day, this, you know, I don't know, this church lady came up to me and said, Nancy, um, so I was going to ask you, are, are you seeing anyone special? And I thought, excuse me? And so she just, well, you know, I have a friend who has a son. And I just, you know, he's a nice guy. You're a nice gal. And, you know, anyone had those conversations? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it's only me, thank you. And so then, uh, you know, I said, yeah, sure, okay. You know, I'm not busy Saturday night, whatever. So a couple of days later, I get this call from this, uh, this guy and, it, and, and left a message, a voicemail. And it was really funny. It was like, uh, is this Nancy? Uh, this is uh, Greg and my mom told me to call you. <laughs> 
so, and so I'm like, yeah, great, you know. So then I call him back, and then, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know this guy. I don't like blind dates. But, you know, I said, well, what do you like to do? And he likes to play volleyball. So I said, well, at the time I was playing volleyball. So I said, well, um, why don't you come? Um, you know, there's an open volleyball night. Why don't you come and, and play? And he said, yeah, sure. And I thought, okay, safe environment. I'll come, you know, and, and just get to know him from there. So that night, though, we played on Monday nights. And that night happened to be Martin Luther King day so it was a holiday so volleyball was canceled and so i was standing there oh no it's canceled and one by one all my friends would come by and they would chat a little bit it's like canceled and they would all go home and think no don't leave me and so then afterwards you know this 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 guy comes up you know comes walking up to us and he says um is one of you nancy i'm like that would be me so, you know, and so everyone's leaving, so I had to have dinner with him because he came all the way out there. So I said, well, why don't we go and eat? So we went to this restaurant, we started eating, and then, you know, we started chatting. What do you do for fun? And he said, well, I go to church, <laughs> you know, and like, what do you do at church? Oh, we learn about Jesus. We study the Bible. Have you heard about the Bible? And, and we kind of had this chat, and so if I invited him. I go, well, you know, we're having our study this Friday night. If you want to come, you can just check it out. And he's all other young adults being there. And he said, yeah, Okay. I'm like, great. So he comes to a Bible study, and I don't even know what we're studying. And there were maybe about, about 10 of us there, and we were, you know, sitting around this table. And so we're looking at the passage, we're talking about, and he says nothing the whole night. Nothing. And I'm thinking, he is hating life. I'm never going to see him again. <laughs> but at the end, uh, the person who's leading the study, he turns around and he says, um, so does anyone else have anything else to say, share before we, you know, end our time? I mean, Anybody? Nelson? Oh, he speaks. So he, we turn around, and, and he said, well, I, I just want to say thank you for letting me come tonight. Um, you know, I get to hear things that I haven't heard before about God. So thank you. And then he went to the leader, and he gave him a hug. Then he came over to me, and he gave me a hug. Then he went over to each person and gave each person a hug. That was interesting. <laughs> so then later on, I said, hey, you know, we're having another Bible study. Do you want to come? And then later on, oh, we're having a retreat. Do you want to come? And so he started coming. He started getting to know more about Jesus. And then he ended up, gave his, he ended up giving his life to Jesus. And then uh, in another Bible study that I had, I invited him to join my Bible study. That was before our Bible study with Michelle. But he came, and then we did the same thing. We started sharing our stories. Okay, let's all, you know, figure out a way to share our stories. And so one by one, we shared our stories. And his story, then it was his turn. And I thought, well, I kind of know his story. So he starts like this. He says, um, yeah, um, a few years ago, my life was really messed up. I hated my job, and I started taking drugs. And my drug habit was so out of control that my girlfriend broke up with me. After she left, I got so depressed, I started looking at pornography. And then that sort of, you know, I became a slave to that. And I was so depressed, I didn't have any purpose in life. I didn't know what else to do. Then I was set up on a blind date. So I met this girl, 
who kept talking about Jesus. And I thought, she is crazy. I mean, she is from Mars. <laughs> this is her words. She is from Mars. But I was curious. So she invited me to her church group, and I went. And I learned that there's a God who loved me. But I thought, this God, this God couldn't love me. He couldn't forgive me because of all the things that I had done. And people didn't know, and I thought they would talk about Jesus, and I would say, you guys don't know. You don't know what I've done. But I learned that God did forgive me, that God did love me. So I gave my life to Jesus, and he set me free from my addictions, and he gave me a new life. And that's what he shared. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses, and people will come to know, love, and serve Jesus. Would you be people of contagious faith? Would you share your story with someone, maybe this week? Would you let people know the difference that God has made in your life? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that for many of us here, Lord, we have a story to tell. How you loved us when we felt unlovable. How you saved us when we were struggling. How you provided for us in exactly the way we needed it. Lord, give us eyes to see those who desperately need you. Give us bold passion to share our story with them. Set our hearts on fire with your love and life that others are drawn into your love themselves. And Lord, maybe there are some of us here today and we need you. For some of us, we don't have a story yet. We're still waiting to experience the power of your spirit in our lives. We have hurts that we're afraid to share about. We're afraid to bring to you. We're still longing to know your deep love for us. So God, would you just meet each of us here today those that are here and their story has not yet ended God you are still here for them and someday Lord they will have a story to tell and people will come to know Jesus as they tell it so God recall to our minds in our hearts and our memories your presence in our lives your goodness to us. How we have been changed by you. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.